Brian Wallace is a good friend, somebody I've known for quite a while. He's a master of the infographic. Uh, He is the founder and president of Now Sourcing. And Brian is also a terrific speaker, somebody who, who speaks regularly at South by Southwest, Social Media Week. Lima, he was there with uh, with me just recently, and uh, he runs the award-winning infographic agency, focuses on not only creating great infographics, but also campaigns where he gets people great media attention. Uh, every single day, Brian, it seems like today we were featured here. Today I was featured there. Uh, either you're writing something and it's getting published in the media, or one of your client campaigns is being featured. How do you do it? <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for the wonderful intro, Ross. I'm also gonna share this over to my feed. Hopefully a few of our fans can join on in on the fun. And yes, uh, you're not exaggerating. It does seem like basically every other day that we are in the media or our clients are in the media, Um, If I actually showed the world how many times a day we're actually in the media for everybody, they probably would think I'm lying. So the question is, how do you do it? I think that a lot of people are kind of social media experts or one trick ponies and everybody tries like one little vertical and that's it. And then the vertical goes out of business. You know, we're on a live streaming show. Can you count on one hand or both hands or five hands? How many live streaming places have just completely gone out of business or they retool or whatever. So the internet is just filled with wreckage of all sorts of things that are sort of failed experiments. So I think the thing that has kept us successful and relevant, it's not just me, it's a whole team, that has kept us relevant over the years is staying up on all this stuff. We do our research, we're futurists, we're always looking for different kinds of opportunities and our delivery vehicle, which hasn't changed much in the last decade, which is a weird thing to say in today's shiny new thing, ADD, unfocused world. It just, what we do works and it's because everybody truly needs what we do because there's just too much distraction out there. And as you said, it's infographics, but I don't usually lead with the fact that we do infographics because there's so many do-it-yourself sorts of things out there that aren't really that impressive that aren't going to get you the level of success that you're looking for with that. So with an infographic campaign, which is truly an end-to-end sort of scenario, first we listen to the client, imagine that. And then we know that the client is stuck in their not objective mind, in their four walls, in their safe incremental steps. And that's not going to be good enough to get it out there to the masses. Clients are usually very bad at telling their story. They're usually either too meek or too salesy. Either way, it kind of sucks. So we don't really want to appreciate that. So we're going to translate their message to the world by giving the media the kinds of things that they're looking for. Like you said, we're in the media all the time and we ourselves are credentialed journalists. So we know what everybody's looking for. So we can go backwards in that and translate that to what a client wants to go backwards again to what the media wants. Then we bother to go ahead and put together a very well-researched blueprint. But as I'm sure you would agree, people make emotional decisions. I want that shiny new thing. And then I'll justify it by searching in Google all the different things that will justify my position. So people cherry pick whatever news and studies suit them. And a lot of that kind of stuff can be manufactured. 
So we're putting something that is really leading with that emotion and backed up by the facts and stats. We then illustrate things really well. So over the years, we've redesigned Cap'n Crunch. We have done our own fonts. We've done photo shoots, whatever it's going to take to make a truly impressive looking graphic, as opposed to here's another wall of words, here's somebody speaking, here's some video, here's some picture, whatever. We're going to intentionally make something really, really good that's going to take a while by people who really know what they're doing, but it's well worth it to stand out among the pack of internet garbage that floods our brain day and night. So what makes a really good infographic? Because there was a, a time, particularly on Pinterest, where it seemed like every company had an infographic and we're pushing them out. And uh, it eventually just became like you were saying, it became a lot of noise. Yeah. And, and then, you know, probably 90% of them have not made an infographic now in two or three years. But you're still having, you know, tremendous success with infographics. Yes. So what should somebody look for uh, if they're either choosing a company to do it or they're going to do it themselves? What actually makes for a good infographic? So absolutely. So quick history lesson. We've been making infographics for over a decade. So we've done thousands of them professionally for some of the biggest names in the world and everything in between. Right. So when we started, there were a handful of places in the world that were doing it. And I jumped from social media broad to infographic specific because I didn't think that the world was really ready for just a professionally done thing. Like I would say that we helped legitimize this as an industry as opposed to like just a bunch of crazy one-offs. But right. then everybody got word of it and then everybody thought they could do it. You ever see the movie Forrest Gump? I did. Remember when they're like the only shrimp boat and then right after the whole flood and everybody gets knocked out. So I feel like there was definitely maybe 2012 through 2015 is really when things got crazy and everybody thought they could do one. The problem was you can call yourself an expert in anything. It's the internet, right? We can right. put together a graphic of Abraham Lincoln that says, never trust the internet, right? <laughs> you can put whatever kind of nonsense you want. It's called the internet. A lot of people don't fact check. A lot of stuff's manufactured. And if everybody knew all the stuff that was happening behind the scenes, they probably wouldn't go to bed at night. So we're going to keep this a nice fancy show and not right. do any of that. <laughs> so yeah, like there were just no barriers to entry. So people were making terrible infographics. So they were obvious sales pitches. They had no research. They had no emotion. They had typos all over it. You would go to the bottom of the piece and it would say sources and there would be nothing. How do you even verify the data? Or would you say sources, Wikipedia? Wikipedia, really? Like anything that I could just randomly change for five minutes before it gets edited out? So no quality control, no errors and omissions, no fact checking like any other news organization. So a true infographic should be info journalism where it can, if it's politics, it should be nonpartisan. If it's a hot button issue, either side should be able to take quality information off of it and make their argument. So people did not take it seriously as a responsibility. They just used it as a cheap, quick trick advertising model thing where all the marketers come in and ruin everything. So I feel like after a lot of people got knocked out, we doubled down. We got more serious about our rigorous standards. We got more serious about the people that we hire for design and research and getting the word out. So we don't take shortcuts. And the world of PR and the world of SEO and the world of getting links and getting press, um, it's kind of nauseating, right? <laughs> a lot of times you'll see people that they'll say that they're featured in something, but if you dig into it, 
Um, it's quite possible that they're bribing a journalist and giving them money, which is against terms of service. Mm -hmm. They are, uh, who even knows? They're doing like a press release and press releases get flushed down the toilet. They don't count. If you ever look at how press releases are measured, they're measured in impressions. What are impressions, Ross? That may or may not have been seen on a website. What kind of nonsense is this? What is this, like 20 years ago? I mean, it's, it's absurd what kinds of garbage people get away with. So we doubled down on making this end-to-end. -end. So with us, we're part research institute, part design firm, part public relations, and part SEO, all focused around a common project. So we're able to do things that a lot of people, they don't really want to roll up their sleeves and do the work. And sometimes things go nuts. We had a basketball player get a $64 million contract. Uh, somebody recently was in over 130 or 150 publications and they just got acquired by GoDaddy. So crazy stuff can happen when you really do this stuff right. Now, how much of um, how much of that is from the infographic and how much is from other things like SEO, outreach, perhaps the journalists? Uh -huh. You know, right. what's the kind of the, the, the formula if there is one? So the formula is that what we do is better than the sum of its parts. So the infographic with all the research and emotion and the great idea is the delivery vehicle for the press. So Bloomberg, uh, probably two, three months ago, they came out with a study and they said that there's about six or seven PR professionals for every journalist. So if you've ever been a journalist, half of your email inbox looks like this. Stupid subject line, five paragraphs of nonsense, and then how would you like to interview our not famous CEO? So if that's what you do as a PR <laughs> professional, you are bankrupt. I don't mean morally, I mean, I, I'm not making judgments here, but I'm talking about from a content perspective, you're bankrupt. Why does the press need to go work that hard in their overtaxed brains where they already have all these deadlines and all these pitches coming at them? I get pitched all the time because I write for sites. And you know what I do with all of them? Delete, 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 unsubscribe, delete, delete. Maybe one like every three years catches my attention because the subject matter is good enough. So it, imagine we're the cavalry and we're coming to the aid of both sides. We're saying, hey, don't be a salesy, annoying client. Hey, don't be an overworked journalist. Here, journalist, here's this beautiful thing that will probably get you three times the page views because it's interesting looking and you can write all about it. So we've got a compendium of knowledge that fits in a nice, tidy package. That's really the magic. We're talking with Brian Wallace on Livestream Deals. Brian is the founder and president of Now Sourcing, which uh, is an award-winning infographic agency. You can find out about all our guests and their products by going to LivestreamDeals.com, LivestreamDeals.com, uh, or just go straight to NowSourcing.com and uh, check them out. He's got some, some great examples, a uh, wonderful portfolio up on the website. And you made, it, you made a point that sort of is how journalism has changed yes. um, in the last 10 years, 20 years. Ever since data of clicks and impressions and things like that have come along, no longer is it sort of using the standard of, what's what's what seems most newsworthy or important what's of most interest and is there a local tie-in those used to be sort of the journalists right you know three measures of what to give priority to now you can't help but if you're in that business and every click and impression can lead to an extra advertising dollar that keeps you in business 
it's no longer about what's newsworthy. It's about what will get people to click. And right. that changed journalism or what used to be called journalism completely. Uh, but I assume that's good for somebody who is able to create eye-catching graphics that combine emotion but also are in uh you know factual as well because if it wasn't factual they can't they can't run it as easily so that's that's kind of where your sweet spot is right exactly we have a tremendous onus to the world to produce things that are factually accurate that we're not just being paid to produce nonsense that's one-sided so we are doing a lot of the journalists heavy lifting and guarding them from the client's overrun of greed to just sell, sell, sell. It just doesn't work. And I think anybody in today's age can be truly irresistible to the media. You know that from when we were at Social Media Week Lima, that's what I spoke about there. I think that anyone, regardless of infographics, I think everybody has a story to tell. And the age of the personal brand is only arriving. So at places like where we are streaming across everything, and I would say more specifically on LinkedIn, we all have the opportunity every moment to really finally craft who we are and show the world the personal brand. So what I always like to say to people is, I can't stand it when I go to a website, I go to the about page, there's no pictures of anybody, I don't know what anybody stands for, and it's just like, oh, our engineers have 100 years of combined service, blah, 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 so what is it? I mean, are you humans at the end of the day? What do you stand for? And I'm not talking about like divisive politic nonsense, but I'm saying the company and its founders should have beliefs and they should be transformed to express what that company believes in, what their employees believe in. If you're going to apply for the place, you want to apply to the place because you think that they stand for something good. And I think that we do great work that helps inform the world of better choices. And I think that's a big deal. And communicating that firmly inside your company and standing for it externally so that everybody follows you along is an incredible thing. So I could start another business tomorrow and people just like who I am, what I stand for, and they would follow. The whole theory of the thousand true fans speaks very true to that. Do you think that an infographic is something that um, everybody should should consider as a as a format, whether you're, you know, a, a recent college grad who's looking for your first job or you're a solopreneur trying to land an extra client or two? Do you think, uh, you know, everybody from sort of the small business to the to the to the giant corporations can benefit from using an infographic as part of their marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you actually look at a lot of the data, when they survey different marketers, the numbers for infographics continue to rise. It continues to be one of the highest ranked formats of getting press and attention and all the goodies that we want in this world. So let's break out all three of those personas that you just said. So let's talk about the college grad. The college grad, for some reason, was failed by a system that never taught this grad to do anything that was publicly facing to build that persona. So as they're clicking away on Snapchat and Instagram, not maligning these platforms, but if you're going to make disappearing content, an HR manager can't find it. So that's kind of useless. But to craft one's position out there on a place like LinkedIn, especially since there's things like being campus editors at different colleges mm -hmm. and the ability to really put together a great profile, being clear about what you want to do and making great content that's original that can resonate with people. 
I've seen, I have friends that they literally got jobs. I had a, a friend, Akosua, you can look her up and we can put it in the links later. And she has all sorts of news stories about this. She had a post that went viral talking about her bold journey and she got congratulated by the CEOs of both Microsoft and LinkedIn and got not just, <laughs> ready? Not just an internship at Microsoft, but got a full-time position recently. It's crazy, right? So you all have the ability to do this. So that's persona number one. And don't count on your career counselors necessarily doing that. You should start. And if your teachers aren't teaching you that, maybe you have something to teach the teachers. So let's talk about the... Okay. I, let me bring in a question real Please. quick. Um, Brian, Anita Sonia asked, Brian, do you think that journalism now is, is opinion journalism, not really giving news or facts uh, when things happen? <laughs> uh, and she follows up by saying that's obviously what, what she thinks. Uh, just real quick on, on where journalism is on the scale of facts and opinion and uh, the blurring of the lines. So let me try to summarize about three hours of thoughts that are in my head there. I think that news is a spectrum and there are people who have put this up as different graphics before. So there are things that are extremely to the left, to the center, which I don't think it almost exists anymore, and to the right. So you basically have two polar opposites that are yelling at each other and then a whole bunch of other people that are spouting their opinions. I think for you to truly be knowledgeable of the news, it's very important to watch where you get your news from and consider to get things even if it's about the same story from multiple sources, because you would be blown away if you just watch things, and just politics is one thing, across the political spectrum, because um, everything becomes politicized and it's kind of absurd. So right. I think there's a mix of legit news houses, but yes, I think a lot of things are going to opinion and that's not necessarily a good thing. I think journalism is a profession for a reason and you're not just automatically a journalist if you write a bunch of words and you publish it on your own blog. So it's a, a very delicate balance. I think it's very important for people to be well-informed and really dig deep and look at the sources behind the sources. Sometimes if you actually watch the trail, it could just be from some PDF that some, one company just commissioned and it's all one-sided. It's kind of crazy. Um, I would take a look at the Take a look at a website called Priceonomics and look up the history of how breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which was invented by breakfast cereal for more <laughs> opinions about opinion journalism, which became fact over the decades. So, right. yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, some of the, some of the, for instance, the news channel label yeah. their opinion programming, opinion programming. I mean, it's fine if, if you have a slant, as long as you're working off real facts, right? But if you if you don't label opinion opinion or you know that that used to be the big separation and that maybe it wasn't as big as we'd like to pretend it was but that used to be uh, more of a separation than it is it is these days. Uh, Brian, you're going to join us on the post show. Mm -hmm. We'll do a lot more Q and A with you. Cover uh, cover these yeah. topics in a little more depth uh so hang around uh brian wallace from now sourcing uh look forward to talking to you again at uh, 8 p.m eastern at the top of the hour sounds great man thank you so much for having me on